Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast. Well, while Liverpool kept their Champions League qualification hopes alive in the most dramatic of circumstances, with a last-second winner at the Hawthorns last night, liaison officer at Bournemouth, a certain Mr Jimmy Glass Esquire, was looking forward to his side's big game versus Brentford as the playoffs got underway this evening, Monday. Meantime, back in dear old Brighty, Albion shocked the nation by taking and then conceding a lead. Who would have believed it? Um, I know, it's incredible, isn't it, guys? Well, to discuss that and much, much more besides is me, Russell Guyver, my co-host, Peter Marsh, and making his debut for the first time, Mr. Charlie Haffenden. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, all good. How are you doing? Excellent. Not too bad. Peter, you all right as well? Good, thanks. Yeah, I'm intrigued about how you can make your debut for the second time. I'm going to try to work out that one. Did I just say that? Marvellous. No, you said, you said for the first time, so I was intrigued about the second time bit. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could come under a different guise, couldn't he? Yeah, that's suppose. Yeah. So, <laughs> so next time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. a wig on next time, and then <laughs> make a second debut. Yeah, some comedy glasses, a fake nose, that sort of thing. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you with us, Charlie. Um, as usual, if you're getting a, a guest on, we'd normally ask them to uh, tell us about their Albion backstory, if they're Albion fans, which you are. So um, tell us all about it. When did it all start? It all started because, well, I'm, I'm fairly young. I'm at university. I'm, I'm only 19, turning 20 this summer. So it, it all kind of started when the Amex opened, really, which... It's a shame. I, I'm so upset I missed all the with Dean days and and obviously I wouldn't have been old enough to go to the Goldstone. But yeah, the with Dean days, I, I didn't see any of that, which was a shame. I, I didn't really know Brighton existed as a football club. I kind of, I, I liked football, but I preferred playing it when I was like nine, ten years old. Uh, I knew of the Premier League, what was going on in that and like Ronaldo, Rooney and the likes, Drogba. But I didn't know Brighton had a team. Um, but then the Amex opened and my dad said, why don't we go down for a game? I think it was against Peterborough in 2011. Uh, I can't remember the score that day, not going to lie. I think it might have been a draw or a 2-1 win, actually. Uh, and I just loved it. And ever since, I have adored the club. Uh, I had a season ticket for the first time last season. But then, of course, it was all cut short, which was a massive shame. 
Um, but yeah, I've gone all the way through the championship, the frustrations of not getting the going up through the playoffs and then nearly getting relegated under Hippia, Houston coming in. And the whole time, I've just absolutely loved every moment, whether it be a 5 0 loss to Bournemouth or a, a 1 0 win over Liverpool or a 3 0 win over Tottenham. Every single moment has been brilliant. So um, that's how I became an Albion fan. And well, I, I look forward to many. Well, hopefully no relegations, but many more seasons in the Premier League. If we do get relegated, it'll also be an experience. Brilliant. Although well, I'm not quite sure about five nils to Bournemouth, I've got to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm not Bloody sure yeah. if I enjoyed that one too much, <laughs> not going to lie. Um, but, you know, it's. I think the downs make the ups just as uh, sort of better, don't they? So, yeah, I suppose there's positives there. Exactly. And, and it is that peril and that uncertainty and the, the misery. Actually, what my wife said about the, the, the ESL proposals, you know, the Super League, she was saying, no, 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 because it's about the misery. Football's about the misery and occasional moments of happiness. And I think she's pretty much spot on there, to be honest. Well, with most clubs anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's that's great to hear. It's a shame you have missed with Dean years, I guess, for a bit of kind of just, I suppose, a different kind of context, I suppose. However, you won't have missed the weather. Uh, it seemed to rain all the time. I remember with Dean. Absolutely really? ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't have a season ticket except in the final year there. But um, yeah, I think Peter will probably attest more than me. Um, yeah, it, we got it, wet it, very it, often. It rained a lot in the with Dean years and uh, solely on with Dean, I think. Pretty much like it's been today in London. Uh, it's pretty much what it was like at with Dean most of the time. Yeah. And Charlie, so just to tell us a bit more about yourself now, apart from your Albion allegiance. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Because you do stuff related to the Albion, don't you, uh, for your own uh, your yeah. own ends? Uh, explain about that. Well, I'm a, I'm a podcaster. I've got my very own podcast called Let's Talk BHAFC, which Matt Jackson, some of you guys might have heard of, he used to run that. I've kind of taken over the reins of that. And me and my co-host, Robbie Lees, we've been doing previews and reviews for every single game this season. Not much else. <laughs> we've had the odd transfer episode in there, but I'm at university doing journalism in Sheffield in my second year, and it's been absolutely manic with deadlines. So I've not been able to do much more than that. But in terms of away from the podcast, I've got an Instagram page called BHA Today. It's the biggest independent blog on Instagram for Brighton. So I've been running that for about four and a bit years now. Um, But that kind of just started when I was enjoying blogging and just posting about the Albion opinions. And it's just turned into something big, really. So um, and other than that, it's just kind of uni work. But Brighton wise, I, I do a lot of content. I don't have much spare time because of that, but I just love doing it. It's, it's my highlight of my week, to be honest. And the, the blogs, are you, are you going into a lot of analytical detail or, or doing kind of like full length article style blogs or is it more just kind of punchy stuff? It used to be more long length stuff, um, but recently it's been more punchy and kind of stats and transfer news and opinions about games and things. Quite basic stuff at the moment, but enough to get fans debating. I I use the comment sections a lot to try and get people to engage and have debates. Kind of let them do that bit now. (laughs) I used to, when I was in secondary school and have more time, I used to do two, three articles a week, a thousand word features, etc., uh, I did some work for 90minute.com and wrote loads of writing features oh. for them. So, uh, yeah, I, I've done a lot of writing in the past, but recently it's just kind of been focusing on uni and having this as something to uh, to pass the time. And I'm guessing from all the stuff you just mentioned that your journalism uh, course is with aspirations in sports journalism. Would that be a fair guess or or is it not? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the course itself is just journalism, but I want to be a sports journalist, whether it be, uh, I don't know if it'll be in broadcast or if it'll be written or news. I'm honestly not sure. I think I'm just going to let 
things take me places. And um, I mean, if it's in sport, that'd be the preference and football, another preference as well. But if I end up doing something like F1 or something like snooker or cricket, I'm happy with that as well. Um, just get me any job to get started and I'll try and make my way up the ranks and eventually get into football if that's the way I need to go. Yeah. Snooker, of course, it's home being in Sheffield where you're doing Indeed. your course, amongst other things. Um, yeah. When you're not uh, doing it, your course, where are you based? Are you, are you a Sussex boy born and bred? Whereabouts? Uh, I was born in Sunbridge Wells, so very near to Sussex. <laughs> Literally, yeah. it used to be Sussex, I think, didn't it? Yeah, I, it's yeah. swapped, isn't it? The Royal Sunbridge yeah. Wells, uh, but I lived kind of closer to Maidstone for most of my childhood on a farm, so very much in the middle of nowhere, fairly far from the Amex. I'd say about an hour and a half drive. Um, my yeah. dad's based in London, and a couple of years ago, my mum moved up to Scotland. So now I don't really know where my base is. I'm kind of independent. Uh, as soon as I finish uni, I'll be getting a flat somewhere. So, um, yeah, I, where I'm based, all around the place, to be honest, mate. But <laughs> to get to Brighton Games, I typically go down for the weekend. I've got a cousin in Brighton as well. So that's kind of that link for, for staying over. And my dad in London, that dreaded train through Gatwick and, and down there. And the, the Thames link is a lot nicer now, but quite often it's that one to Victoria, isn't it? And it's just absolutely rammed and oh god i remember a game last season against crystal palace at home and i missed the first train back and there was only a couple left and it was delayed by half an hour we'd lost i think it was raining as well it was just a dire night to be honest um <laughs> but yeah i'm rambling on now no that's it it is all about the misery you see you're describing misery that's what it's all about <laughs> <laughs> but that, the journey down is quite often that isn't it I, we, peter and i are both based in london and um quite a few of our listeners i think as well and yeah it is it, it can be quite irritating <laughs> that journey not yeah. least when you get the uh the bus replacement which mm-hmm. is the, the best word you can ever see at, at a train station isn't it <laughs> the only balancing act is when i get into london on the away games and i think i've only got to get a tube home or a, a local train and people some people have to go all the way back to brighton from here and kind of what an extra trek it is that's the other the only balancing side because it's such a pain to get to home games but most away games are at least easier this one else um well in this first half we're going to talk about general football news including some albion related Second part, we'll get on to West Ham, um, which, which of course was once again conceding a, uh, a lead. So many more points we could have had. We'll get into that in a bit more detail a little bit later. But in the um, yeah, in the intro, I'm just uh, alluding to Alisson's goal last night for Liverpool. I mean, uh, whatever you think about Liverpool, whether you want them to get in the Champions League or not, you've got to love the drama, haven't you, in the Premier League sometimes or in football in general. Uh, did you see that game, John? I did. Yeah, I was watching my housemates, um, some of which are football fans, some of which are not. My girlfriend was in there too. She kind of supports Northampton. That's where she's from. They've just been relegated to League Two. So they're not doing very well. But I think if you're a football fan or not, seeing a goalkeeper score is pretty exciting stuff. And every single one of us, our jaws just dropped when that went in. The fact it's a 95th minute winner as well. Like yeah. A few seconds after the injury time was up. Wow. <laughs> you such saw a good header as well. I mean, normally goalkeepers yeah. score from corners from like a rebound and they poke it home after a scramble or something. Like a bit like the Jimmy Glass one was a bit of a scramble and then he poked it home. But it was such a good header. It's like a striker would have been proud of that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was great, wasn't it? The positioning really as well was. and to get in. No one seems to mark goalkeepers when they go up as well because no one thinks they can do anything with the ball. I mean, mm. Edison, he can do well with his feet and Neuer. But you don't expect a, a goalkeeper to be good in the air but Alisson oh my word what a header that was and fair yeah. play if they get if they get Champions League football now wow <laughs> you got to thank Alisson didn't you yeah. it's a great story he's and balanced out his awful spell with that one that goal yeah <laughs> That's yeah exactly 
exactly. And it would be it, it would be a great story if it does come come off for, for him and for them, particularly with Alison's uh, bad news. Obviously, losing his father tragically. I think he was uh, uh, drowned by accident in a quarry on lands that he owns back in Brazil, um, which he's well used to, and apparently um, a tragic accident. So it was a very emotional interview afterwards. I thought pretty good actually with uh, Sky. I think it was on. Uh, yeah, so that that was dramatic. We could get more drama in Europe as well. Spanish and French leagues going to the wire with the. I think probably most neutrals favoured sides in the pole position in both cases. Yeah. Uh, Leon and Atleti. Um, Lille. Do you guys, sorry, Lille, Lille and um, Atleti. Yeah, that's right. Um, do you want those two to win it, guys? Or you, uh, yeah. tell me you don't want Real Madrid and PSG to win. It'd be really nice <laughs> if Juventus missed up in the Champions League as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, I think Atleti have managed to come with two late goals to come from behind to win. Um, at the weekends, which keeps them in pole position. It's head-to-head decided on if it's points level. So they're two ahead of Real. They basically need to match Real's results. Barca have dropped out now. Um, I think if they lose and Real draw, then the, then Atleti win the title. But any other yeah. result, they've got to basically match them. Yeah. Um, and I think in the French League, Lille, I think, again, it's a similar thing, isn't it? I think PSG won and Lille drew, is it, at the weekend? Which yeah, I think they only won the time. Half, so I think they've got to win. Yeah. Basically, yeah. PSG drop points. Yeah, but pretty tight stuff. But that's interesting. Quite a bit of Brighton news. I, I'm, I'm going to just run by you guys. Some bits from a week or so ago and others a bit more recently. Um, so we're apparently ranked first in the Premier League for giving homegrown players playing time and sixth amongst teams in the top five European leagues. Um, this obviously does include the likes of Lewis Dunk, who've been playing very regularly for a very long time when they're not getting sent off. Um, but, you know, pretty pretty good, I think, isn't it? It's a good marker for our academy, particularly as, as pertains to those that have broken into the team more recently, like Ben White. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it, to see? And I'm not surprised, though, because Graham Potter is a manager. He does seem to give the youth the chance, and he, he likes to use his homegrown players. You've seen a lot of the, the transferred-in players from, like, Jahambash, for example, from the Dutch League, or Saicedo and Zakiri. They always seem to be on the bench, don't they? They don't seem to get minutes. I, I don't think that's about where they're from at all. It's obviously not about that. But he, he does like to use his youth, the players who've come through the system. And I think that well, we're speaking to Paul Barber, weren't we, on the charity stream about what mm. the focus of the club is going forward. And today, of course, with Hibernian, they've just agreed. Uh, was it Hibernian? Hibernian? Not sure how you pronounce it. Hibernian, they, I think, yeah. Hibernian. Yeah. They've, they, uh, they've announced uh, a partnership, haven't they? All focusing mm. on developing the youth and players going out on loan, friendlies, etc. You can really tell the focus of the club. And financially as well, it, it's great news, isn't it? Because you bring players through the youth setup, give them a few minutes here and there in the cup, send them out on loans to championship, and all of a sudden they're worth 30, 35 million pounds. Ben White being a prime example. Rob Sanchez as well, and I've flown to Rochdale coming back now. Leo Ostergaard at Coventry this season. He's been like their player of the year, I think, and done very well in the championship. Matt Clark last season was their player of the year. I think it's great stuff, to be honest, the way we're doing it with homegrown players. Yeah, and the figures, according to what I've read up on, um, players playing time, 30.1%. Man United the next most with 27.2%. And all 12 of the ESL clubs are below us across Europe uh, as well, for what that's worth. Um, Interesting stuff, though. Yeah, and it it is a good testament to, to how we're doing. And I think we're running the club the right way. I heard John Cross, the national journalist, who was talking on one of the podcasts this week, Albion once, um, about how well regarded he he thinks they he, 
they are to both to him and to other colleagues in terms of the way we're run, the way we handle ourselves, the way we presented ourselves during COVID, all of that element, as well as the uh, obviously the way we're playing football and and so on. So it's all good. It's all positive stuff. Just speaking of positive stuff, that live stream that you mentioned just briefly a moment ago, Charlie, and that's how I met you. Um, the only time I've met you, if you can call Zoom chats meeting, I, don't, I never know if that is or isn't. <laughs> but anyway, we there was a few of us, wasn't there, content providers, as they say, um, who got together. It's Josh's idea to get a BHA podcast, uh, came up with the idea, approached the club, and um, it was a 12-hour extravaganza with a load of us kind of uh, basically alternate. We're rotating the squad, weren't we, uh, to, to accommodate a load of guests on the show. Um, and I think it went quite well. We, we raised about 1,500 quid. But that, that was that was good fun as well. And um, it's a pleasure doing that with you. I think that was really good. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? It, it was absolutely brilliant. I've not had an opportunity like that in quite a long time. So to be able to meet you guys and to... You know, because you don't normally get it, do you, with various content creators for the same club coming together and doing one mm. bit of content. And I like it because there's sometimes a lot of tension. I don't understand that because why? Like, we're all doing the same thing. We all love the club. We all just want to chat about Brighton. That's why we're doing it in the first place. So why not do little things like that together? And the honour of meeting the likes of Bruno, Mark Lawrenson, mm. Paul Barber, all the beneficiaries as well. They were great to chat to. The Abbey and the community guys, they were amazing. It was such a great day. It was a very long day. I, I think I spent about six, <laughs> seven, I think six or seven hours on screen that day. Uh, there was one time at the start where you accidentally went off and, and I had to make do, but I then I think saw made up for that later. It was, it was great fun, wasn't it? And I think it went very smoothly, actually, considering it was 12 hours and we'd never really met each other before. So, uh, yeah, amazing day that. Yeah, it was good fun. And Mark Lawrenson, who, who I was lucky enough to have had on my podcast already. So um, I, I kind of knew what was going to happen in terms of his uh, screen arrangements. <laughs> he's not <laughs> he's not exactly media savvy when it comes to setting his own screen up. So he was kind of drifting gradually to the corner of the frame. Yeah, and I remember, kind of, I think it was right into his chin, weren't we, for half of it, and then his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, I think it was Ryan that was on amongst others. And I, I think I sent a message on the group and he was, I saw him sort of curtly smiling. As I said, right, just keep an eye on where he is on the picture here. He's going to, he's going to move around. And sure enough, he drifted gradually out. It was great. But it, it was a good fun, fun event. Definitely. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, anyway, yeah, back to the Albion news. Um, another, another stat that's come up this week are expected points, the good old, XP um, this season places us fifth in the Premier League. A friend of the show, The Gent, a.k.a. Raymond, has said surely potential striker signings must fancy their chances of scoring a hatful of goals if they joined us. Um, it is a pretty good sales point, I think, really, isn't it? Um, if we were to uh, be able to persuade people on other reasons other than money, um, I think it's, um, it's in a weird sort of way, our failure is also a sales point would you agree with that do you think that's a genuine sort of tempting reason for for potential signings should i go um, i think yeah yeah the big problem with the striker is our, our wage limit probably to be honest in mm. terms of getting the striker that we need arguably i mean we could get lucky and get you know a, a vardy although he came through the up the league or whatever or a and meet you at Swansea or something like that. But I think as long as we're continually, which I don't blame Tony Bloom for, we have a reasonably, relatively sensible wage limit as compared to Palace paying 100 grand a week to like four different players. <laughs> Even if uh, most strikers will look at that and go, well, you know, they might create chances, but I can get 30 grand a week more here. 
I'll probably take that to be honest. Hmm. Probably, you know, logically, I probably will just take that money because that's what you know. It's only a short career, and that is the issue. I think that's why we haven't got the striker. It's less of an issue in other positions because they don't get paid so well and that sort of thing. But strikers with you know, big money goes to strikers, and that's why we've not found someone because we're not willing to pay them. We pay them fee quite arguably a few times, but we've not paid the wages, and that's why we end up with someone like Mope who isn't quite the right level, although I think he still has a part to play and he's still a decent player. Or you get someone like Welbeck, who obviously has done quite well recently, but has had injury problems, and that's why we've got him, probably. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, one of the other announcements this week is about the Premier League renewing their deal. Effectively, I think it's the same deal rolled over that was previously running uh, for the next renewal coming up, which is probably a good result, all things considered, because it's already by all accounts, reached its peak. And if anything, it was likely to drop off a bit. So it's, it probably represents a good deal. Um, elsewhere, um, the French obviously have gone into a right mess with their deal. Back when COVID first started, I think there were all sorts of problems, compensation claims and everything else. So they've got into a bit of a state. And I'm wondering if the French league is going to be a, um, a happy hunting ground for potential signings. It could be ripe for... For, for some good deals there, particularly there's a lot of a good attacking talent generally coming through in France uh, in general, year to year. Um, Charlie, would you say that's a, a good place maybe for us to be looking in the summer, seeing as we definitely do need that striker, don't we? Yeah, I mean, there's some hidden gems in the French League in particular. You saw the likes of, I think Mares played there at one point, didn't he? And you had N'Golo Kante. Mm. Obviously for us, Ipasuma coming from Lille. He did cost us about £15 million, but his value is pretty much tripled from that, isn't it now? We might accept yeah. something, if, if he does go in the summer, he might accept 30 35 but he's still doubling your money there. There are a lot of gems. And with that TV deal messing up, there's probably a chance of getting someone at a cut price. Maybe not by that much, but they need to get the money from somewhere. And it'd be a shock to the system for them if they can't get anything sourced with the TV deals. So we might be able to get... I can't, I can't think of any names that come to mind at the moment. But we the might one get, uh, in the past is um, Belay Dia, I think his name is, who was hmm. at um, Reims or whatever. So he's... he's had a really good start to the season, but I'm not sure he's been quite so good since Christmas. He was at one point like yeah. second behind um, Mbappe in the top scorers list in France, which is pretty impressive. But whether he's, yeah, I think other teams have been alerted to him. So whether that's someone who maybe we've missed the boat with or whatever, that's possibly, yeah, potentially. Yeah, issue. I, I saw his name pop up. I, I saw a few of his goals at the start of the season. He seems like a real complete striker, quite a poacher, a great finisher. And if anything, that's, that's what we need. need. That's what we need, isn't it? Because the likes of Mope, yeah, they've scored some great goals and Welbeck, but and Connolly, but there's those are easy chances. They're missing open goals, and when they're clean through on goal, they're hitting it straight at the keeper or putting it wide and scuffing shots. We need someone who can put those chances away, the basic ones. We don't need someone to bang it from thirty yards in. Yeah, that's great. We just need someone who could do the basics and mop up those chances. And I mean, looking at the expected points you were talking about, Russ, we'd be in the top six, wouldn't we? And without the big six, we'd be in a title race. And it's just insane, really, isn't it? And I think with expected goals as well, there's been so many draws this season against the likes of what, like Burnley, West Brom, Fulham, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United, all these teams in and around us. If you turn just a few of those into wins with Boulardia up front, let's say, or someone I'd love is, is uh, Olivier Giroud. We'll go and start in a bit. Um, yeah. I, I think that that could turn us maybe to a mid-table side, which does sound crazy, but performance-wise and expected goals-wise, we, we that's not unrealistic. <laughs> we just we're need not, that not, component. Like 12, I think, or something like that, which is, you know, it's the bottom end of mid-table. We don't just turn 
I think two wins or like two draws into wins and two defeats into draws, which isn't really that much. I mean, we've hardly been we've hardly been stuffed by anyone this season. And I think that's yeah. a real positive. I mean, I think you know, I think there's, I can see the argument that we haven't really progressed because of the seventeenth thing, and we haven't really moved up. But on the other hand, no one's really except for Leicester, and I know I'm dangerously saying it's just before Man City home, so it's <laughs> time to say it. But yeah, we haven't actually, other than Leicester away, lost by more than two goals this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've been very impressive performance-wise. And I, I, that's what it is, isn't it? Just turning a few of those draws into wins, a couple of those defeats into into draws, and you're right up there. And you've got games like West Brom and Crystal Palace that come to mind. Two defeats where we really shouldn't have lost those games. Lewis Dunk having his free kick disallowed when I don't understand why even still. The Man United game at the start of the season, we lost after the final whistle. Yeah, I think that's in the rule books, but it felt so... It was painful, wasn't it? Because we were the better team that day. All it takes is a few of these games are so finely balanced to go our way and we will be mid-table because we're probably, we've done the double over Leeds. We're probably similar play styles to them. We don't press as much as they do, but hmm. we're very good attacking wise and defensively we're better than them. So <laughs> really, I think we've yeah. been quite unlucky to be where we are, but we're yeah. staying up now. We've got two free hits against City and Arsenal. I think we'll talk about City later. Um, hmm. and we can kind of experiment a bit with that and I'm looking forward to that um, but Olivier Giroud if you don't mind me talking about him I know hmm. he's got high wages I think he's on 110,000 at Chelsea at the moment but his contract's up at the end of this season at the end of June I think we could potentially pick him up if he dropped his wages like Adam Lallana did I think Lallana's on something like 75,000 a week with a few bonuses I, I don't think that's too unrealistic Maybe I'm just a little bit deluded here, but I think he would be absolutely perfect. You're talking about the expected goals. If you put him up front for us, he's like a younger, better Glenn Murray. And I know it hurts to say better than Glenn Murray, but I mean, if you look at his record, he's third top scorer of all time for France, better than Zidane with goals for France. And he's won like Premier Leagues and or been near to Premier League titles and been in Champions League semi-finals and final. Like this guy would be perfect for us. Yeah, I've, I've thought of him as well, actually. It's crossed my mind a couple of times. I've, I've wondered if he would be an option. Um, I thought about it at an earlier point in time, and um, then he came back into the Chelsea team, and you think, hmm, maybe not then. But um, it's, it's, he does seem like he's, he's a player that's, you know, he's probably, the, what, what age is he now? So he's 30, he's 35 in the summer. Or 30, oh, okay, 35. But he'd be quite a useful option in the same way that we've maybe used Danny Welbeck. I know we might look to keep him on a longer deal now, Danny, but in terms of the initial idea, it was a year and see how he goes. Um, yes, he would be on high wages, but not ridiculously high. That would completely ruin the dynamics of our setup. And also, you know, a signing on deal and, and those extra wages versus the transfer fee we'd have to pay for a premium striker that has a genuine chance of doing it in the Prem. Um, if, if we're only signing one, it's not a bad option, is he? He's experienced, he knows the Premier League which is the other problem you get with signing someone from France or from the Championship or wherever else. Um, the Premier League experienced players are, you know, gold dust. And yeah. to not have to pay a transfer fee outright, just a signing on fee, yeah, why not? If he's up for it. Two <laughs> goal scorers. Sorry, go on. Hmm. What I was going to say was I think he'd be good against the teams that we struggle against, the bottom teams, where they're sitting quite deep and we could get the ball in the box and actually have a target man. I mean, I, I, hmm. I was using the example of the West Brom loney, um, uh, um, uh, Diang, or no, what's his, I can't remember his name now, Braining Gear. Um, but yeah, the, and Diang. Yeah, hmm. yeah hmm. sorry, yeah. And he's, he's looked pretty effective, but like pretty strong and big. And if we don't have huge budget, 
he might be someone who's mm. quite good as well because we need someone when we can't break teams down who is going to be physical a bit more in the area and is going to you know kind of compete with teams and Welbeck does that to a degree but we don't really have Mopay's not really that sort of player and that's I think that's why we have a better record against teams who come out and play football against us and attack us rather than teams like West Brom and Burnley who sit deep and you know don't really give us any time you know kind of just sit deep and hold on and dig in and Sheffield United another one I mean they they yeah, we've got one point off them this season. Yeah. It really is great to know you've got um, a good backing behind you as well, hasn't it? I mean, we, we all know about Uncle Tony, what he's put into the club. There's some stats out, 2010 to 2020, only Cities, Villas, Chelsea's and Everton's owners have put more money into their clubs. Obviously, ours, well, it's a staggering 325 mil, um, but obviously that's, that's largely Amex, training grounds, getting us into the Premier League, all of those investments, um, and having a multi-million pound squad that we've now got. But I think once things are settled down, now that we've managed to survive again in the, in the division, hopefully we can step on, even if it's just small incremental amounts in terms of positions in table, and strength the squad, if we can just weather our way through the next couple of years, could we then be looking at maybe seeing the wage structure increased, maybe? Maybe that's something that could come into the equation if Tony's putting money in still on an ongoing basis. Not that we're asking him to do it forever or anything, but <laughs> if you could, Tony, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, think, think we probably think... will need to do if we're going to become... I don't want us to become Palace and just give has-beens a 100 grand a week contract because for like four years, but... I think we will have to make some exceptions and maybe go a bit higher to really kind of, I mean, they're talking about becoming a proper top 10 team, not like one season, but actually being quite regular in the top 10 at one point. And if that's to be realistic, you need to kind of, you need to pay the the right wages. Otherwise, eventually you're just going to suffer, you know, you're going to struggle eventually. You can't do it year on year. Yeah, speaking of has-beens, nice dig, by the way. Um, Benteke, uh, I think, is in the squad, isn't he, for Belgium, um, along with Batshuayi, in, inexplicably, who can't get a game for Palace, uh, but I think he's in the squad. One person we know is Leandro Trossard, um, which is good news for him. And I think... He got an assist against us at Selhurst Park for the most ridiculous dive ever. Mm. Oh, Benteke, yeah. Batshuayi. Yeah, uh, the penalty. Oh, sorry, Bashwai, Bash wasn't it? Yeah, not, not Benteke. I'll keep mixing yeah, them up. Benteke scored the, uh, that goal at the Amex, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, interesting stuff. We got the playoffs tonight. Um, Glasgow, there's a lot of trouble, wasn't there? Um, Rangers won the title. Social gatherings still prohibited in large numbers. Hmm, I'm not sure they quite adhere to that one. Uh, <laughs> it all kicked off a bit, didn't it? There, sectarian songs and police aggro. A bit of violence with police, a bit of damage. Well, that's really stuff. quite calm there for football. It's not... It's never yeah. trouble, really. Uh, Would you reckon there'll be massive celebrations at the Amex tomorrow night for the Man City game? Uh, survival would be flares and smoke bombs everywhere. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I'm going. I'm just. I'm <laughs> going to be there. I'm just. I'm just dropping that in. I'll be there. Oh, so jealous of that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're not. You're not going to that one. Uh, did you go to the others? Actually, the uh, the earlier two games. No, no, didn't manage to get to those either. I don't think it helps that I'm up in Sheffield um, and I wasn't no, able to renew my season ticket. So, yeah, I, I'm not on the high priority list, which is such a shame. Uh, um, right, right. I'll be trying to make as many games as possible next season. It's just a shame about the end of this. Um, but, yeah, I'm so happy for you that you're able to go. It would be an amazing day. To, it's tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, as, as we record it. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's 14 months since fans apart from the small number that managed to get to those other two games. It's been 14 months since um, uh, anyone's been able to go generally in larger numbers. That's the game you mentioned earlier. 
Yeah, exactly. The Palace game. And you got the, yeah, you got the playoffs tonight. Uh, the second of those games, Barnsley, I think they had a stat saying it's 436 days since any of their fans got to games because they didn't have an open, uh, I think it was to do with restrictions, wasn't it, in between the lockdowns. So they haven't had, they haven't had even the chance to, to go along. Um, strange times we've been through, but hopefully we're out, out the worst of it. Peter's had his jab, haven't you, at the weekends? I've had my second jab as well. Get in. Hey. <laughs> it's all happening now. Like calling you two jabs. Yeah. Charlie, of course, being a spring chicken, might have to wait for a while for those, but, uh, it's you know well, it, it is good at the moment. They seem to be going through it pretty quickly. Very Hope yeah, I can get on soon. I think at the moment it's looking like the end of July, which seems quite a long way away. Um, but hmm. the cases in Sheffield are quite low, so I'm, I'm quite fortunate with that. Um, and well, now it's today, isn't it? As we record this, that you can go indoors in the pub again and go to restaurants and stuff. So that's very exciting. Is I do yep. be a little bit careful because obviously I've not had my jab. Um, but taking all the precautions, social distancing, mask and hand sanitizer and that lot. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's a good time to be alive, isn't it? And fans being back, that's the highlight. It's just a shame I can't go to the Amex. Yeah, yeah, that's a great shame. But it, as you said, it's great that we're getting some fans back, some atmosphere back. You can see how much it meant in the FA Cup of the weekend, which we haven't mentioned yet. Actually, Leicester winning that one. Um, you know, you really can feel such um it's it's palpable isn't it the atmosphere in the ground you really can get a sense of it and it was all the more amusing for the fact that the underdogs won and the um the, the arrogant favorites some of their supporters were uh getting a little over excited with what they thought was going to be the equalizer very marginal offside incredibly narrow yeah um, game of margins i'd say that was it because i mean i really thought perez handled it blocking the i think it would be extremely harsh given the goal but I genuinely thought he, you know, it definitely hit his hand. And given it set up a goal, I thought the rule was these days that, you know, you could, it, it was a handball in that situation. So I, I, I really think Chelsea were as much as I, you know, it's great yeah. that they won. I think Chelsea were quite unlucky there. And the offside was, if you look at the replay, he clearly kicked it already. So again, yeah, it's that frame players, thing again, isn't it? So mm. marginal. I don't understand how they're giving yeah. them offside. I'd have been livid if I'd have been a Chelsea fan in that situation because yeah. it's like so so tight to give to disallow a goal of that importance in that situation based on a clip that where the ball's already been kicked by the look of it is questionable. I'd say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the first half wasn't great. The second half was a lot better though, wasn't it? So it was a brilliant save. It was good. I mean, it was it was one nil to the good guys, and it was a great goal to be a winner, even if, even if there is contested whether yeah. it should have been a winner. Extremely, yeah, it'd have been really bad mm. it for that handball when it wasn't in any way on purpose when. Yeah for that goal but certainly I've seen them given in that sense and classic cliche yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's a great goal great goal from Tielemans I mean it, you do want a goal like that to win the cup don't you Charlie and um, mm. I think it's 1-0 to the good guys we've got a couple of Albion friendly Chelsea fans listening to this pod I know for a fact and um, sorry guys but I was I was celebrating Leicester winning that one <laughs> I, I was too with my Chelsea supporting mate so I was keeping I wasn't uh... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, so that's all good. Um, but yeah, great, great cup winners. They don't come around so often, do they? Charlie, so you'd be pleased with that as well? Yeah, mate. Absolutely buzzing to see Leicester win that because they've not won yeah. the FA Cup before. Like, you always want to see a new winner and the underdog to win it. And they've done that. And you've always got the kind of, well, I don't know if it's a tradition for you guys. I know my dad certainly does it where... Normally, you kind of do it when you know when you do the uh, what's it called? When you have the World Cup and you have, have like the names of the teams in the hat, and then you oh, yeah, like a um, oh. what's it called? 
Oh, God. No, no, you're, you're talking about the competition. You pick names yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweepstake, sweepstake, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. normally do that with yeah. a sweepstake, of course. You just support the team who knocks you out because, you know, that's kind of the way you do it. But my dad just does it without the sweepstake. <laughs> Obviously, Leicester, <laughs> Leicester knocked us out with that late Iheanacho goal, which was absolutely gutting. And then they've gone and won it. So I, I was supporting them for that reason because you kind of, you got to follow the team that's, that's knocked you out, I suppose. That, that could have been that's your true. route do you know why I didn't think about that? I hadn't actually, I've forgotten the week that was that. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. For that though, it's like the team would knock you out of Manchester United or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is an exception. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think if, it's, if it's Palace <laughs> or Man United or Liverpool, yeah. something like that, maybe not. But... <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, Chelsea are in another final, of course, the Champions League final. Um, I, I'll be cheering Man City on, to be honest. Um, I prefer City. I'd like to see a new name on it, to be honest uh, with you. And, I don't know. By and large, I like City fans, so it'd be good to see them have a bit of um, fun in the sun, although not literally for many. Um, it's not going to be in Istanbul. They have decided on Porto as opposed to Wembley. Um, I'd like to think that would have just been on some kind of safety grounds, but it's um, what it indirectly is. I think it's having this um, exclusion for or special dispensation for two to 3,000 UEFA officials to be allowed to come in without you know, the quarantining. And basically, we've stood our ground, and therefore, it's not in Wembley. It's going to be in Porto, which uh, UEFA don't do themselves any favours, do they? But with UEFA, it never is. Let's be honest. I found it. Uh, yeah. That's the one depressing thing about the European Super League: having to support UEFA in a situation. Yeah, it was. It was the best of two evils, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, and I think as well, wasn't it the clash with the playoff final as well? If they played it, yeah. So that's right. I'm yeah. very glad they've. Uh, it would have been nice to have the Champions League final at Wembley. But we had that a few mm. years back, didn't we? Wasn't it Bayern against Dortmund or something at, at mm. Wembley? Yeah, so that's I, right. I think yeah. it's it's a shame that it's not in our home country. But at the end of the day, I think it's a lot safer to have it over in mm. in Porto, even if it is two English clubs. The whole quarantining mm. thing without the having the quarantine, I, I just, it's just a stupid idea, really, isn't it? Travelling from abroad. Absolutely. I do and think that's... you look at doing something, not exactly, obviously you can't change it at the last minute every time, but I wonder if they should have two different options of venues each year for the European Cups, whatever, and a Western European one and maybe a more Central Eastern European option. And then you've got like, then you've got, if, you know, two, if, if a German and a French team meet, they don't have to travel to Azerbaijan or whatever, which is ridiculous. They can travel to Spain instead or something, which it's, it just seems ridiculous to make two teams if they're quite close or in the same yeah. country, in this case, travel hmm. a long way when actually, you know, there's no need for it. Yeah, I think yeah, with COVID, that's definitely a good idea. Um, but without, I suppose you've got the air miles, haven't you? And you've got that to consider. But I, I think hmm. it's just... There's something quite nice about it being somewhere that you wouldn't think of, like Azerbaijan. It's it's so far over in Baku, wasn't it, that they had it? But for the Europa League, I think it was. But I quite like that. It's quite niche, isn't it, that two teams from Western Europe can go to Eastern Europe. Like Istanbul, it's so famous, obviously, for the, the late turnaround by Liverpool. But I think it makes it extra special that it was over in Istanbul rather than, I don't know, Munich or, or, or mm. London. So, I don't know. I, I like it with COVID and maybe in the future with the air miles, but I, I quite like the nicheness of, of going somewhere yeah. different. Yeah, I mean, we're not being funny. We're not exactly um, past masters of European competitions here no. in Albion, are we? But um, if, you were, if you were a Chelsea or Liverpool or Man U fan, you, you've probably done, some, not all of them, but you've done some of the European, normal Western European type setups. I think Azerbaijan would, would appeal probably more. A lot of intrepid travellers amongst those away fans that love travelling all over the place anyway. And it would be a bit more interesting, I guess, as, as you said, a bit more niche. But yeah, well, um, 
it's going to be Porto anyway. We should explain that's because Istanbul's on the red list. Porto, or Portugal, sorry, is on the uh, is on the green list for the UK. Um, I think you still have to get tested either side of travel, don't you? Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it's a lot easier. Um, speaking on the Euro theme, just keeping that going for a little bit longer, one bit of news which I forgot to mention on the last podcast, Ajax are melting their trophy, the, the league title trophy, to make 42,000 champion stars, as they're calling it, which will be donated to their season ticket holders as a thank you for supporting them through the COVID uh, period, I guess, etc. <laughs> um, interesting one. Do you reckon we should do something similar when we uh, win the league title um, in a couple of years, guys? What do you reckon? A couple of years? You mean next season, don't you? <laughs> Tony Bloom's having a party. No, Come I, on, be I realistic, Charlie. Uh, two years. <laughs> maybe three or, or 30. No, I, I think it's a fantastic gesture from Ajax. I love that from them. I'm not sure how the bloody hell they're making 42,000 of those stars with one trophy. It is a big trophy, but they must have melted down a little bit and to have maybe fill up the rest of tin or something like that. But nonetheless, what a gesture. The fact that all these season ticket holders will have a piece of history at home. I just absolutely love that. And if we ever win a trophy, I'd love to see us do the same thing. I, I think the most realistic is probably the Carabao or the or the FA Cup. Um, one day we might reach that. What about the Sussex Senior Cup? Or the Sussex Senior Cup, you know, or our pre-season friendly against Crawley or something like that. I don't know if we get a trophy for that. <laughs> so... You know, so I, you, you reckon know. these champ- these champion stars are a blend rather than a, a pure kind of single malt type of star? <laughs> got to be, aren't they? Forty two thousand, like That's a really big unless they're very small, <laughs> really yeah. small. Or, yeah, I think they're kind of like a fifty p size, aren't they? Hmm. You might yeah, just... yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that's bugging me now. I want to know if that's actually doable. We've got no way of finding that out, have we? <laughs> Um, also on a quirky theme, just to round off the footy news, um, did any of you see the, um, the, the stuff about Plymouth Argyle? Um, they've got the renewals queue for the season tickets and they had a COVID testing, or I think it's a vaccination centre um, at the ground as well. And there were some people apparently in the wrong queue <laughs> getting up to the counter, <laughs> expecting a jab. And they were getting uh, asked which stand they wanted their, their ticket to be in, which is great. I, I love those stories. There was a, a picture online that someone had taken a picture of a certain angle, which uh, emphasised the uh, the issue. Um, <laughs> you got to love stuff like that, haven't you? <laughs> It's um it's brilliant. But anyway, so on that, um, I think the only other thing I was going to mention in the first part, actually, Charlie, because we haven't had you on to talk about this particular thing. Um, your quick take on the European Super League. I've been asking everyone, Dirty Dozen League, really, to give it its proper name. Um, what's your take on it? Because for me, you know, it's uh, it, it's just an outrage. I, I, there's no no other way of saying it. Hopefully, it's on the back burner for good, but we, we don't know. But what's your take on that? Well, I like the name Dirty Dozen League. They're just all greedy bastards, aren't they? I, I can't yeah. believe why or how. Well, I know why. It's because all the money and the billions involved. But it's just absolutely ridiculous to not consider hmm. one supporter in that scenario. And all of the excuses they would come out with afterwards thinking, oh, it would have been exciting to see these clubs come up against each other. It's not exciting because you don't want to see the same teams against each other every single season. It would get rid of the novelty of it. And the fact you don't have, you can't earn it. There was like one or two positions to try and get in there that you can get, but the rest of them would be in there every single season. It was a horrible idea. I won't ramble on about it too much. I think it's quite clear what a lot of fans will believe, but I'm just glad that we weren't involved in it. Of course we wouldn't be. Why would they want Brighton, I suppose? Teams like Brighton, they're not going to want that. It's a cliche, I know. <laughs> I, but... I bet Arsenal voted against us being in there. 
Yeah, I mean, they probably did, didn't they? Yeah, Matteo Guendouzi in particular. <laughs> God, and Leno. <laughs> but my words, it's um, it's a crazy idea, isn't it, that they came up with. I'm glad it's on the back burner, as you say. Hopefully it won't come back. Uh, there's talk that it could in a different form one day and that Florentino Perez, who's the chairman of it all, the Real Madrid chair as well, he's he's wanting it to come back and he's confident it still will. It better bloody not because it's, it will ruin football from the top down. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan it of it at all. It's, it's basically Juventus, Barcelona and Juventus uh, and uh, Real Madrid playing in one, like each other like <laughs> 20 times a season as we stand, isn't it, or something? Something like that. Yeah, that, re- that really would be boring, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the novelty and the excitement of the peak fee versus, versus the peak would soon wear off and there's going to be a load of games that don't have jeopardy in them in terms of the league structure if they did it but anyway we could go on and on about that we've we have done a fair bit already so the irony of meaningless games coming wasn't it the um perez came up with yeah game and it's like with mm. no relegation there'll be an awful lot of meaningless pointless games hmm. yeah <laughs> well hopefully hopefully that's all done and dusted um anyway that's it for part one when we come back in part two we'll be talking about our latest failure to win a game from a winning position, the West Ham match. That's coming up next. So welcome back to part two of this episode. With Peter and I, we've got Charlie Hafferden. Sticking in there all right, Charlie? How you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Excellent. Good, good. Right, it's time to do the nasty stuff. We've got to talk about another failed attempt at victory. However, we did still keep our unbeaten record against the uh, opposition in question. It's the West Ham game, um, one all at the Amex. Uh, pretty frustrating because we scored fairly late and thought we were going to win it. They got the equaliser. Um, what did you make? Well, actually, just to go through the teams first before I ask you what you made of it. Sanchez in goal, White, Webster and Byrne with Grosh and Moda further forward to the sides, Alzate and Basuma central mid, and Jahambach and Trossard wider of Welbeck in, in the forward line. You could say 3-4-3. It was kind of fairly flexible anyway. Um, so, yeah, what did you make of the lineup? What did you make of the game, Charlie? Yeah, I, I like the lineup. I thought it was quite refreshing hmm. to see someone like Jahambach in there, change things up a bit. Of course, without Duncan Mope, you've got to experiment a little bit and chuck some names in there you might not normally see. Alzate as well, good to see him get a start. Moda as well, quite enjoyed seeing him get some minutes. Um, yeah, the lineup I was, I was fairly happy with. Of course, you'd rather have Dunk in there. I'm not sure about Mope at the moment because of his temperament and his lack of goals. But it was quite refreshing, wasn't it, to see someone a bit different. It was good to see Percy Tower get some minutes as well off the bench. Lalana as well, back to fitness. He came on in the second half. So, yeah, I was, I was very happy with the lineups. Yeah. And Peter? Happy um, with that as well? I, yeah, I would have. I really wanted to see Kabovnik, to be honest. I mean, I was a bit given, I'm a bit kind of surprised given, you know, he, he obviously came in and did quite well against Leicester, I thought, in the one game in the cup he played. But he hasn't been given a, couple, a few minutes, given our defensive issues recently. It feels mm. a bit odd to me that. A player who, in his one appearance, looked quite solid, and I thought had one of his, one of the better players on the pitch, didn't get a time on the pitch when we have four fit defenders, and that's it. And I, while we know that Moda and Grosh and players like that, a wing back is not going to be a long term option. We're not going to play them in a wing back, so I'm not quite sure. Certainly in Grosh's case, what we're learning, and I, I would rather see have seen Mo, um, have seen Kravovnik given a go there. Moda, fair enough, you're giving him game time because he's new, but I'm not sure what you're learning about Grosh by playing him at right wing back, really. You're not gonna. He's not gonna be a right wing back, so you're not gonna. You're not gonna. You know, have to see him there. And I feel like, yeah, I 
I, I would have hoped, I was hoping to see Karbovnik. Um, but other than that, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there wasn't a lot else. I mean, I'm really not that convinced by Jahan Batch, and I, I probably would have. I probably wouldn't start him personally. I probably started Tao instead. But again, you know, it's it's up to you know if, if Graham Potter does see him as a possible for next season, then I mean, I I kind of thought we'd given up on him to be honest, which is why I was a bit surprised to see him start the last two games. But yeah. Yeah, if Graham yeah. Potter sees him as an option for next season, then fair enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Kabovnik, it would have been nice to have seen him play. I was pleased, as Charlie was, about Alzate getting in. That was good to see him back again. Uh, he'd lasted 67 minutes. He was blowing a bit by then. Uh, Lalana came on for him. Um, but yeah, getting him into a midfield role as well. I'm not sure quite how trusted he is in the more midfield positions for ball retention um, at the moment. But um, it was good to, to see him get out there and to at least get another run. Um, and I mean, I guess the other thing is maybe Zakiri, he came on for Trossard on... 83 minutes, but um, I'm wondering if it might have been nice to have seen him play, whether it be in that position or or somewhere else in, in more of a two up front or something, because you could you could play around with the formula now that we're safe, as we, of course, were at kickoff. Um, but Zakiri getting a bit more time, I want to see him get that time, particularly because he's he's at the business end of the of the uh, team in terms of you know scoring goals and want to get him off the mark. Um, so if he'd have had more time, maybe have more chance. Um, other than that, yeah, pretty happy with it overall. Um, McAllister, I guess, is the other one that maybe could have featured from the start. Don't know if he was available to, to, to manage a full game, but he didn't manage any of it in the end. He didn't come on. Um, but yeah, that was that was okay. I thought the first half um, not great though. Uh, certainly, it was better for the second half for us, wasn't it? Thoughts on the first half, Charlie? Any? Anything we could take positive from that, first of all? Uh, it was positive as a clean sheet at half-time, I suppose, but not much really happened. It was quite a boring first half, wasn't it? I think... Yeah. I remember, I watched, obviously, the game and then match today as well. The first highlight was from the 39th minute. I think I just summed it up. <laughs> dire watching, and I thought, oh, no, it's going to be one of these games again. Wasn't it last season against Newcastle, towards the end of the year, nil-nil? It felt a bit like that. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of a lot of just passing in front of them and, and not really creating that much. There was a flurry of chances, wasn't there, for West Ham just for half time? It was a couple of days ago now, wasn't it? So it's, my memory's fading a little bit. But yeah, I think from what I remember, a very boring first half and it got a lot better in the second, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, we um, we got the goal. We, I mean, we looked really good, I think. Um, yeah, we were just passing. There was, there was a fluidity to us. There was a bit more tempo again. Um, Players were coming into their own, I thought. And Peter, would you? What, what, what were your highlights of that second half? Because yeah. I think we can go straight on to talking about that. Yeah, I think I'd agree with Charlie about the first half. I thought West Ham slowly took control from a rather disjointed one and ended the half really strongly. And they actually, you know, for the first five minutes, second half as well, that was reflected. They had a couple of shots that uh, late, uh, early in the first, second half as well, and we looked a bit under pressure. And then we got a foothold in the game and actually, yeah, it started to show. I thought for the, the, the difference in the first half was we were quite disjointed all the way through. Because so often we're really good in the first two thirds and then we get to the final third and the ball's not quite there. Or, but we, and we looked really slick getting up to that point. But on, I thought on um, Saturday, we didn't even look that good in the, fight, the first two thirds. There was too many poor passes. I actually thought we missed Mopé quite a lot. I think, he, I think people underestimate how much his movement puts, pulls defenders away and how much he, he does for the team. Yes, he's primarily there, obviously, to score goals and that, you know, and obviously he's not done enough of that this season, especially since like the first four games. But I think people don't realise quite what he does. And especially it becomes more noticeable maybe that the Trossard doesn't quite put in that work. And Jahan Match doesn't, it's, I, don't, I don't think, works that hard either. So the, I thought Lois Tam pulled the ball out of defence quite easily, comfortably, quite a lot of the time, whereas Mopé quite often would have harried them and hustled them and, 
and that side of it. But then, yeah, we, we got a foothold second half and we I thought we were probably the better team just about second half. But, I mean, I don't think you can, as disappointing as it was to, you know, to say, you know, to concede so soon afterwards, I don't think anyone could really argue with the result. I think a draw was a fair, fair ending. Yeah. I don't think any either team really did enough to win it. Yeah, on the subject of um, Morpé, uh, Charlie, what do you think? I mean, he's he's a bit of an enigma and he does divide opinion, doesn't he? What, what do you make of him? Do you think he's worthy of his place in the team, well, based on what we've had this season anyway? I think with what we've got, him and Welbeck are the best two to have up top. I like having them in there and Trossard as well in the mix and kind of swapping Trossard and Mope between being the one behind Welbeck. Sometimes they split off wide, don't they? But I think it's so fluid the system Potter plays that Mope suits that so well with running off the ball and him getting the ball back for the team, pressing the defence. The one thing you can't doubt is his work ethic. He's always running his socks off every single game, Neil Mope. But his temperament and his attitude is a bit off. And you've heard things in the past. It's not come out in the media, but there's been rumours there and, and, and little whispers that there's been disagreements with him and Potter and other players. And mm. I think it's just one of these players, again, I don't know what it is, but we attract hotheads, don't we? With <coughs> Knockart and Moy coming to mind and Andone. We always seem to have these characters, don't we? They do have their qualities. They've got the determination. But I think he needs to sort that attitude out a little bit, um, to be mm. honest. And obviously yeah, he won't. Mope being suspended meant that Andone came into the squad for the first time yeah. in <laughs> almost two years. Yeah, it's so ironic that, isn't not, it? Not quite, obviously, in the team, but like for like on the bench t- in the squad terms anyway. Yeah, mm. but obviously it's been announced, hasn't it, just as we're recording this, that he's going to miss a third game, isn't it? The FA have, have given him punishment for basically bad-mouthing the refs after the final whistle. That's why he got sent off. As a lot of people didn't realise what was going on, but I'm not sure what was said. I don't think anyone does, but it must be quite bad for him to get extra punishment for the FA. But thankfully, no games next season. It's just the end of this, isn't it? He'll miss. Yeah. Um, I, I think that gives us freedom to try people like Percy Tao and Zakiri And Connolly, I mean... I'm not a huge fan of Conley, to be honest. Once again, he's had issues off the field and his finishing hasn't quite been good enough. I'd rather see him get a loan move next season and give the yeah. likes of Percy Tao a chance. Because we've seen how well players have done in the championship on loan. I doubt Hibernian would be a great move in Scotland. But even that, it's a top division club, isn't it? If you can bag a few goals, get some confidence, develop as a player, he's not going to get the game time here. So I think that would be the, the best thing. But back to Mope, I think next season he's probably a good option to have rotation wise, but I want to see us get a new striker. There's no excuses this time round, and we need that. And Done, we've had him in the last couple of seasons. He had that long injury, went on loan to Galatasaray, didn't really play. I don't think he really cuts the mustard to be a starter either. So Welbeck, yeah, we need to get him penned down for a new contract. It's just about that second person alongside and Mope to challenge. Yeah, I'd go along with that. And I, I also agree that Connolly, I think to get a loan as high up as we can, Certainly championship at the least um, would be what we're looking for, really, for him. I agree we need a striker. and I, I think Welbeck to, to re-sign would definitely be, for me, something. Tao's going to be the interesting one. Of course, in this game, he did come on in the 73rd minute, as we said, for Jahanbach. And he set the goal up on the 84th minute with a great pass. It was actually a good, good bit of build-up play anyway. Was it Lalana that fed yeah. Tao in originally with a really good ball? Then Tao just played a straight line one down the middle, cut through a couple of defenders, uh, put Danny in uh, for a, well, basically a one-on-one with a goalie. He had to act quickly and get his sort of like dinked finish in pretty quick to make sure. Um, 
but he did. It was um, it's a little bit different to the Villa goal he scored, which I think was his first for us. It was a bit more straight on and, and a bit less time to play with, I, I felt. But he finished it well, didn't he? Finished with a plum, as they say. Yeah, the keeper um, got him very quickly and he did really well. I thought. Yeah. The keeper came out very, very quickly. And, and I, I would say that next season, a lot, a lot will depend as well as who we get striker-wise on when we can keep Welbeck and Lallana fit. Yeah. Um, West Ham's goalie being um, Flappy Hansky, of course. I, I, just, I just like to say that. Had to get that in. Uh, he, well, he wasn't making any Flappy Hands uh, mistakes in this particular game, unfortunately. But he has been known, apparently, from his days with... I can't remember who it was with now. Uh, somebody was telling me. Arsenal? Yeah, probably Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned the ballplay banning. And, of course, that will be against Arsenal, that game, that third match, ironically. Yeah. Um Peter, I heard you saying off air um, as well, just in between the breaks there, that um, your irritation with him getting penalised after the final whistle is as much to do with one rule for one, one rule for another. And of course, it was against Arsenal that there was an incident where Guendouzi could have and should have been, I think, red carded for grabbing him by the throat. Um, I, think it, I think it's two, yeah, there's two different sides to it as well. It's like one thing, referees very rarely send off players after the final whistle. So the pick on Mope. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I said my views on Jonathan Moss last week. I think he's terrible. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever was said to him, well, probably not very nice. If, if, he, if he was called useless or incompetent or whatever, probably is right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and the, inc- the inconsistency of referees in, you know, of uh, the FA and increasing bans for some people. And how on earth Gwendouzi did not get a three-match ban for his... You know, for his you know armor, and then you remember like the Hened one where he got a three-match ban after the game against Newcastle in the first season up, where he basically tried to just walk over the player, but because of some sort of campaign on was it Sky or Match of the Day when they were accusing him of like stamping, he basically went, soonest. Hmm. And it's like, well, how on earth is it consistent when when Duse basically can strand? I know he didn't play again for Arsenal anyway, so it didn't really matter, but that's not really hmm. the point. Yeah, exactly. At least the pundits said that um, West Ham were off colour rather than mentioning injury lists and uh, being tired and that sort of stuff. Um, so that was at least a They're all positive. fit, whereas we had about six players out. Yeah, exactly. But then they don't mention that one. No. Um, just having my little winch. Um, in terms of the game, though, just a final word on that. If, if any, any other points you want to mention in terms of uh, the way the game panned out and, and performances? Because I thought White played really well and Basuma again, had a really good game. He really does look like he's playing in a different um, sphere, doesn't he, when he's on the pitch at the moment. And um, I think Webster played reasonably well. And um, I think, and yeah, Burn, Burn as well. Game. Yeah, yeah. Like, he had a reasonable game. Yeah. And, of course, Danny Welbeck. Blind by a lot of people, but I, I genuinely thought Dan Burn had, really, had a really good game again. And, uh, you know, while obviously the next year there'll be a lot of competition when, when Mope, when Lampty and March are fit, and we've got hmm. Beltman as well coming to come back from injury from that lot, and Dunn to come back in for Saturday. I, we shouldn't forget Burn. Burn will still get used quite a lot, I think, in different situations, depending on, even if we sign a left wing back, which I hope we do, I think Burn, hmm. Burn will still get used quite a lot because Posse likes him. And he's, I think, underrated by a lot of our fans, just because I think, partly because of his physique, I think, people just kind of look at him as a bit of a, almost a bit of a joke, but he's actually done really well for us, considering he cost like three million quid or something. Yeah. What do you make of him, Charlie? Just quickly, any Thoughts on Dan, big Dan? I think it's inconsistency, really. If you put him up against a really small and 
um, rapid winger and someone who's very agile. He's not the best. Pedro Neto, when we played Wolves at the Amex, that comes to mind. He completely skinned him for one of the goals. And there's the odd chance. There's your, well, I mean, he's playing out of position, isn't he? It's not really his fault that he's playing hmm. in an unfamiliar left wing back position, but he does get caught out quite a lot. And teams getting in behind. Of, and you see so many pacey wingers these days in the Premier League. It's not as physical anymore. It's more about that pace, isn't it? Getting down the wings and in behind. I feel that part of his game he needs to improve on if he wants to get that left wing back spot. But otherwise, I think he's a great player. He's a great utility option, isn't he? And he's never going to be world-class. It is Dan Byrne. But I think he's a great person to have in the team as well. And he's got a lot of experience. And he can do a good job for us. He's very tall, though. That said, he's not actually that good in the air for someone who's six foot seven. I think sometimes he gets beaten in the air, especially in set pieces. But, you know, when we ping the ball down the left-hand side, it gives us that other option, doesn't it? To flick it on to wingers and get in behind that way. So, yeah, I think it's a great utility option. I just don't think he's a starter particularly. But the reason he's starting now, obviously, is March is being injured, isn't it? So. Yeah, absolutely. It's frustrating he isn't better with his head. I know it does, it's not a given, but just because you're tall, you'd be good with your head. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the fact that he gets in positions and can receive the ball so easily to that head, and he's particularly not good at finishing <laughs> with it. So it's uh, if he was, that would make it an interesting dynamic to, to have that unexpected asset, you know, a left-sided player, as he would then be, having this threat in the air as well would be great. But unfortunately not, it seems. He any other thoughts? with his head at Anfield, didn't he? That was the... Uh... That's true, yeah. yeah. Any, any other thoughts on the game, guys? Um, it's not I too much to talk overall, about, really, is it? Given our injury problems and given it meant a lot more to West Ham, ignoring, mm. yeah, obviously disappointed to take lose the lead so late, but I thought we did OK second half and actually considering, you know, we had a lot of... I mean, Dunk, Feltman, Lamptey, March and Mope could all have been in the first team, arguably... Um, and Alana as well, if he if he'd been um, if he'd been fit to start. So that's six twenty five, twenty six players who could have, yeah, been in yeah. starting, not just in the squad, but starting who we were unavailable. So yeah. I mean, and West Ham had a fully fit squad, so that's pretty decent, really. Yeah, it's not bad for a team that's challenging for Champions League places. Uh, we've, I think, it, also, I mean, they're a very different animal to, to to the West Ham we've played in other recent games. But I think that's five draws in a row we've had against them. And we're unbeaten in all eight of the games we've played against them in the yeah. Prem. Um, so our overall record's great, but I'm most particularly pleased with the season. The fact we've had two draws against what has been a much better West Ham team. Um, we seem to be able to continually frustrate them, continue to frustrate them, which is um, which is great. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's it. So we move on. We've got City and then we've got Arsenal to come. Um, so we'll we'll kind of do a preview on City upcoming but um in terms of the match i think yeah not much more to mention really from it any other any other points from you guys on that one not really no just a fair result really given the the stats are very even in the game the actual on the pitch was very even with all the injury problems we've got i think we did ourselves proud and it's another point towards the record total isn't it i doubt we're getting yeah. it with city and arsenal upcoming but i mean it's potential there it's useful it gets mm. closely uh, closest to that 40 point mark which we always talk about so Absolutely. Um, one other bit of Brighton news, actually, we mentioned Basuma. There is also one, one bit with him, really. I mean, apart from like another good game, etc. Um, there was a feature on the club website and the YouTube channel um, about him just talking about his background. It's the sort of feature they have on cut final day when they focus on a particular player for five or ten minutes. It felt like the, uh, the one they did on Alexis Sanchez a while, a while back, you know, looking at his roots, interviewing people from his hometown or whatever. 
And um, then it, it was a nice feature. He, he came across pretty well, seems a nice guy, uh, loves his song. And it finished with him walking walking off away from camera. I wonder how significant that might be. A lot of people have interpreted it and the feature in general as being a kind of like a a goodbye swan song type of interview. Um, it's probably very likely to be the case, isn't it, we think. Uh, what did you make of that, though, the interview and the potential meaning of it? He just seems humble, doesn't he? And he seems yeah. dedicated to the cause, the way he kind of came through the ranks at various other teams as well. I don't know. He seems like a good guy, doesn't he? And he's got a great attitude. Funny guy as well. And I'm sure he's great in the dressing room to have along there. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the end of it, especially with him walking off, I think that probably could be a metaphor. They wouldn't make it that clear though, would they? They wouldn't do that, surely. But they're going to fire a bit of talk, aren't they? Of course, we're going to talk about him walking off into the distance afterwards. So... I think he's gone though, isn't he? It's nice to have a feature on that to kind of thank him for everything he's done in this couple of seasons here. But um, a player of that quality, every single game, he's basically man of the match. Him and Dunk, basically, isn't it? He always man of the match. Yeah. Lampsy when he's fit as well, of course, and Solly March, mm. they're great players as well. But he's just above and beyond. And I genuinely think he would start in any Premier League team. Man City, he'd probably rotate. But every, yeah. every other team, surely he'd have to start. He's better than the likes of Fred and McTominay for Man United. Like mm. He's a wonderful player and he deserves Champions League football. So although I'd love to see him stay, if we get offered £35 million for him, we're probably going to have to take that, double our money and more, and see the guy go on to big things. And we'll always know that he played for us, which is a shame. I don't think you can really replace him, can you? He's one of those players. He's a diamond in the rough in league and as well. And yeah, it's gutting. But I mean, what a player. You've got to appreciate it, haven't you? Yeah. And it's important to have that, that succession pathway, uh, you know, for them to be able to step on. And yeah, I guess the timing is probably right for him. He'll feel ready, I think. Um, much as we'd love him to stay another year. And Tony Bloom's managed to persuade one or two players in the past. Hearing an interview with Elliot Bennett recently, he was talking about how he was persuaded to stay another year um, and to good effect for us and still got his move. But I think in this particular circumstance, it's going to be a harder task if we tried uh, to, to achieve that. And I'm not sure we'll try that hard on the basis that I would imagine he'd want to go. Uh, but he's always going to be loved by us. And it, I'm glad that there's some fans are going to be able to get to say goodbye. Wouldn't it be great if he can score in front of the uh, North Stand yeah. uh, in that last game in front of Albion fans? That would be good. Yeah. From 30 and yards then, and, as well. He doesn't score tap-ins, Basuma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 30-yarder. That's all we're asking. A 30-yard winner against Man City. It's not, it's not too much to ask. ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well... On that note, just a couple of bits of notices to round off. Um, Fanslide, we had Joe Cocoso, who's a Brighton fan, who's uh, one of the co-founders of Fanslide, which we talked about about a year or so ago, or, or a few months ago anyway. Um, they're doing a feature, I think, on the all the playoff stuff and the, the running games. There's, I think there's 12 matches they're going to focus on, and um, they're doing a competition. I think it's a, up to £200 prize fund for the winner. Um, for the top three collective scores, I think. So you could play anywhere between three and 12 of the fan slide events and you could get um, potentially a cash prize. I don't know if you've ever played that, Charlie, but it's, it's quite good fun. It's like an, in, an in-game mini fantasy league for one match. Uh, basically, you change things in and out right. and um, score points. It's more detailed, more on the pulse of the, the moments within the game. It's quite good fun. I've forgotten to play it actually more recently. I've been too busy as well, but it's it's good fun worth checking out. Anyone else listening as well, recommend that. Um, 
Also, as you may have heard, listeners, I'm doing a Film Fives podcast with my good mate, Big Phil, uh, who is a Brighton fan as well, actually. Um, we've been doing that since the beginning of the year. It's a monthly thing. Next one we're recording is 31st of May. It's going to be Pixar Studios, the subject, our top fives in that subject. Anyone wants to check that out, it's Film Fives. It's on all the usual podcast platforms. Um, we are under the umbrella of Sports Social. Thanks to them, as always. And particularly thanks to you, Charlie, for joining us for this. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. It's been good debate as well. A nice refresher from uni work. There's been so many deadlines recently. Just to talk about Albion, it's great. And yeah, I'm happy to come back on at any time, really. Yeah, yeah, we'd be happy to have you. You've been great. Great guest. Really enjoyed it. He's been all right, hasn't he, Peter? Not too yeah, bad. Have you great, yeah. <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, he's all right to middling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's been absolutely great. Um, so thanks for joining us for that. We are you are going to stay on the line, aren't you, for um, another another one we're doing? We're doing a preview on City as a yeah. separate episode. So um, he will be back, folks, in the very next episode. But as far as this episode goes, we part in the usual way by saying, Peter, stand or fall at the Albion Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.